What's up, everybody? This is your girl, Virtuous Diva and Company. And as usual, me and this is a conversation for you. Now, I, of course, have been on the dating sites because I go on there just to, of course, get content. Of course, because I need it. And, of course, also to just learn what what it is that I'm not willing to put up with going forward. Exactly. And it's nothing to bash you guys. That's my disclaimer. It's just to simply say that maybe this is some this is an area that people are willing to change. Maybe who knows? But anyway, so I, there's a guy. Um, he lives here in Harlem, and we we start talking. You know, we start chit chatting. We talked on the phone maybe a couple of times, so forth. Seen his Instagram. He see mine. Da 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 da. Whatever. So he says he wants to hang out. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm open to that. I'm, I'm cool with that. People are going out. People, you know, it's still okay to get out and still socialize. So he says, well, I'm still at work. I'll call you. And I was like, okay, cool. Call me. So I'm getting ready. But something in my spirit says, don't get ready, ready. You know, and girls, we got to listen to that spirit because if we don't listen to that spirit, we'll be do 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 It'll go the other way. And so I was sitting there and I was with my makeup and I was like, what are you doing? You ain't going nowhere. You're not going nowhere. And lo and behold, <clears throat> the time is ticking. It's about 8.30. Then I noticed it's about 8.45. And I was like, okay, we ain't going nowhere. Because in between that time, all the smooth talking he was doing, the talking stopped. And I was like, okay. Mostly, you know, if you tell a person you're going to see them between a certain time, they may text you in between that time, you know. I'm looking forward to seeing you, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know, whatever. But anyways, I can't make a person do what they don't want to do. So I was like, okay, whatever. So... I didn't hear from him, and I was like, you know what, whatever. So I went and ate uh, dinner, and I bought, I had my butt in the bed. So then the whole Friday passed by. I, of course, didn't. What's up, everybody? This is your girl, Virtuous Diva and Company. I am, I finally got my butt off work. But we know that today is Wellness Wednesday here in the city. So, my Wellness Wednesday is about taking care of you. Thinking about your needs before you put everybody else's needs first. Because, you know, I have had a habit. Shit, I mean, shoot, they ain't there all my life putting my needs before everybody else's needs and then I come up short. I mean short. I mean I know there's a time and place for everything but damn he if you if you think about it you just you you can't do that for everybody because you know I have this I have this lady she you know she like to come and tell me all her and I have to say ah, 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 ah. you're not are you paying me for this you know and then I have to tell her ah, ah, ah. wait a minute I'm not your psychologist, I'm not your doctor, I'm not your realtor, I'm not, I'm not in it because people will lay all their problems on you and then they say, you know, you Dr. Phil. You Dr. Phil, 
you Dr. O, you Oprah Winfrey, you, you know, you, you the real estate people. I mean, you become someone that you were not supposed to be because you're taking care of their needs. You're answering all their questions, you know. And sometimes it's just a good to listen and then give them back and give them back the question they ask you. So what do you think you should do, you know? Because your energy, your time, and everything, it needs to be productive. It needs to be used for proper you know, sometimes you can't work on what you want to work on because you're full of everybody else's concerns and stress and so forth. You, you're just full of it. You can't even get yourself together because you're taking care of everybody else's needs before your own. And the reason why I wanted to dig into this is because I, find my, I found myself doing that a lot. You know, people will call me. They wouldn't want nothing. They just want me to listen to their problems. And my thing is, Lord, you day, I'm not getting paid for this. And I would have the best advice, the, 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 you know, you know, expensive advice. But the, at the end of the day, shit, I wasn't helping nobody but them. You know, here I am tired and worn out trying to get them to understand what it is they need to do in their life. And then I'm stuck looking crazy. I'm telling y'all, y'all, well, Wellness Wednesday is important. We're going to dig a little bit deeper in this. So, you know, just think about it. Think about how you, you spend your day. If you're listening or if you're paying attention to everybody else but yourself. Are you following your own intuition? Are you following your own gut feeling? Are you doing what you need to do to take care of you? Because some things will stress you the hell out. And you're wondering why you're feeling some type of way. You're wondering why you all over the place and you just can't get right. So y'all think about that. Y'all get back to me. Hit me up at VDCINC15 at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at VDC.INC. Or Facebook, The Virtuous Diva and Company. Hey, I just want to talk about it. Let me know what y'all think. Peace out. Good morning, everybody. This is your girl, Virtual Diva and Company, and today is Wellness Wednesday. Of course, I'm down here in New York City, Manhattan, 57th Street, and Madison. So today, Wellness Wednesday has to do with your belly flap. Now, I know what you're saying. It's hard to get rid of, but it's, it's not impossible. And I, for one, have had a son more than 19 years ago and honey I'm still holding on to mine now if I decide to get rid of it which I should because it's not attractive that gut that bloat I call it an extra pouch because honey it is it's not cute and this morning when I was looking in the mirror I was like wait a minute we got to get rid of this thing this is nothing sexy about this Valencia and to my much avail I have tried but I think what I should do is get me a waist trainer because it seems as if I do a lot of sweating, but I sweat in areas where I'm, I don't need to lose weight. But considering that I have had this belly flap for some time, it means as that it is not fairly attractive to the eye or my clothes when I get dressed in the morning because I think I change clothes about four or five times in the morning before I decide on what I'm really going to wear. But with that being said, I think um, crunches, I think, um, you know, how do you go side to side with the um, ball, whatever you crossovers you want to do. Um, there are many things, but to be, to, to, to be reasonable, I eat a lot of bread. I, I do. I, that is a part of my weakness, and it's something that I have not um, 
I haven't let it go yet. So, you know, I'm going to do my best to try to get rid of this belly flap. I can't say that it's going to be easy. I can't even say that I'm going to have, um, I'm, I'm, go I'm going to have much success. I'm not going to say I'm not going to have much success because I think I, I think I can have much success in this. So, as I go forth with this journey, I'm just letting y'all know my breakfast for today is, uh, is, it is some bread, but there's more fruits and vegetables been breathing so i'm just letting y'all know the struggle is real so but you know sometimes you know when you're dealing with that belly 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 flat as i call it fat you know like i said you end up having to wear over oversized clothes bigger dresses stuff they got elastic in it like you just don't look too good in some stuff and like i said i for one have been trying and trying and trying and trying to get rid of but I think the older you get it can be a little bit more difficult to get rid of some of the things that you know that get rid of some of that belly bloat um along the way and I'm gonna tell y'all another one of my addictions is definitely gummy bears you know my son calls it devil's food and I believe him it, I believe it, it is definitely devil's food and you know there are I need to do better if I know better I should do better and the doctor even told me I need to lose weight. I think it's my boobs and that belly fat. So, with that being said, I am going to keep on trying. I'm going to keep on trucking and keep on purse pushing through. And we'll see what happens to this belly fat. Maybe I can register, you know, re register it to the back of my butt side. <laughs> and we'll see what happens. So, y'all stay tuned for more. Let's get rid of this belly gut flap. And let's go forward. You guys have a peaceful and blessed day. This is Wellness Wednesday with Virtuous Diva and Company. Peace out. That's what's going to sustain us and give us faith and give us hope. Amen? Amen. So let's go around. Let's say our name, where we're from, and who's got an icebreaker question? I didn't I think of one this morning. A question with a one-word answer. It'd be like, I think we did before, what's your favorite TV show? We do, did we do, what, if you had a superpower, we did that one? No. Let's do a superpower. It could be anything. <laughs> Think outside the box. It doesn't have superpower. to be, it doesn't have to be super strong. It could be um, um, turning into animals or whatever. It could be anything. It could be reading people's minds on I Thursdays. Mind. I can't remember. So, you, you can go first, and then we'll go around. So name, where you're from, and your superpower. My name is Valencia. I'm from um, Louisiana, and my superpower is swimming in the ocean. Okay. It's all the way across. Just deep, deep, deep. Yeah, right. <laughs> swimming that ocean. Good. Oh, goodness. I don't know. Okay. All right, came to me. My name is Janice. I'm from East New York, Brooklyn, um, and... I'll be a, I want to turn into a bird. Any kind of bird? A nice, I don't know. I was going to say a flamingo because I love pink, mm -hmm. but then they don't fly. No, they do. They fly? Peacocks like, don't fly. Flamingos do. So I want to be a flamingo. All I right. want to be a pink flamingo. Yeah, right. right. Yes. Janice is a flamingo when she wants to be. <laughs> Oh, you were turning to, oh, right, we got people turning into animals over here. Right. 
<laughs> Valencia swimming across the ocean. Oh my goodness, this is great. Um, Aisha Mohammed from New York, New York, uh, originally from Nigeria. I need to ask her um, how to get there. <coughs> All right. Nice. Are you in human form when you do it? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how should I respond to that? You can do anything you want. It's your superpower. Oh, it's all right. Wow. My name is Elena Sorrentino. I came from New Jersey. So I am from Italy. And if I could, I would be a dragon. Mm. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, oh, my goodness. Aisha made a dragon. So. <laughs> there was great. no smoke. Great, Elena. <laughs> right. You. Okay. okay. Um, my name is Elizabeth Huertas. I'm from Queens, New York. You say elephants. I go elephants. Yeah. I like elephants. You be an elephant? Oh. I can't hear. I got an ear infection, so I really can't hear you. Oh, right. <laughs> you and Andrew be elephants doing your thing. What was your name? Shalanda. Shalanda, all right. I'm from Mississippi. Great. Where are you from in Mississippi? Jackson. Okay. Great, great. So my name is Jason. I've uh, been in Brooklyn 15 years and originally from Wisconsin, Heartland, the Midwest. Um, see, I cheat a little bit because I'm into comic books. My kids are really into comic books. And then I have two brothers who are into comic books. And about two years ago, I started really reading. I haven't read them for like some time now. But there was a season where I was reading a lot. And my favorite character is Silver Surfer. Ever hear Silver Surfer? Mm-hmm. Very interesting story. So much fun. But he's got a power called the Power of Cosmic. And he's a cosmic superhero. And he can, like, turn into smaller than an atom. He can travel into other universes. He went back into the universe before this one and all that. So I would want, I'd want the power of cosmic. My brother, Heath, he's 23, little brother. He, um, loves Superman. And he's like, oh, Superman would be Silver Surfer. And we go back and forth. And now Superman will be killed by Silver Surfer. He's not here to defend himself, so I'm just going to let that stand <laughs> right there. Um, this morning I want to talk a little bit about, about stories and the stories we tell ourselves. Did we talk about this a little bit last week? No. No, okay. So all of our families and ourselves personally, we have stories, right, that we tell ourselves. When we get together with our family, um, we begin to tell stories. And whether they could be sad stories, tragic stories, funny stories, and there's meaning in these stories. That's why we tell ourselves to reinforce certain things. There's characters, there's setting, there's time, and all of these things. I'll tell a little story from my family. It's a very new story. Happened, I think, a year ago, but we've already told this story a bunch of times, and it feels like it's entering into the Storbach and family canon of stories that we will continue to tell. It's a little gross, if you don't mind, so vomiting in it. Can I share? Is anyone squeamish? Mm-hmm. All right. You are a little bit? Well, go ahead. All right, all right. So long as I don't see it, we're okay. You won't see it. Right, it's good. not that kind of story. <laughs> um, 
about a year ago, my daughter got very sick, like a flu or something like that. Very sick. And she was vomiting everywhere. It was horrible. Last like, I don't know, 24, 48 hours. And my wife, I was working a lot, daytime and in the evenings. And my wife was the one who was like, taking care of her, making chicken noodle soup. And she was cleaning up all of the vomit. And then all of a sudden, my wife got sick. Oops. And then it's like, oh man, I guess I, I can't go to work. I got to stay home and take care of these two sick people. So now I'm cleaning up the mess. And then um, <coughs> next thing you know, my son, he gets sick. So it's a horrible mess. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't get, I'm, I'm not going to get sick because I don't get sick that often. Mm-hmm. Worked down at the Bowery Mission mm-hmm. for many, many years, <laughs> right in the front line, like working with the chronically homeless fellas, like nonstop, you know? And there's a lot of stuff down there, tuberculosis, a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, you know what? Just like doctors, they get their immune system and they get sick less than other people. Mm-hmm. It's like, that must be what I have. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't true. It got me. As soon as my son got it, so all three of them are sick. I'm cleaning up his mess. And you ever see those little uh, seaweed snacks the kids eat these days? Mm-hmm. I haven't eaten a single one of those since. <laughs> 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 because my son, it was just a blah, 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 everywhere, everywhere. And it's the little tiny little seaweed snacks. And I'm like, and it was sticking to it, and they're tiny. And I was like, and I'm like, I'm literally in the middle of it, surrounded by it. And I'm just like, oh, now I'm going to get sick. And by this time, my daughter's feeling totally better. Mm. It's gone through, but she's tired. The one who started it. Yeah, she's not feeling better. <laughs> and my wife, she's not vomiting anymore, so she's on the mend. But it's me and my son. He's still in it. And now I'm in it. And there's nowhere to sleep because we're all covered in vomit. Me and my wife's bed, the kids' bunk beds. My, We cleaned our bed. So Vanetta, my wife, and my daughter, they're in my bed and I was like alright son I guess we should just sleep on this couch that's all we had left and I put like a blanket on us in case we puked that it would be there and I had a big black garbage bag and then for like the next two or three hours my son and I laying on the bed are like and we were like going back and forth trying to get it in there but my wife and daughter weren't strong enough to like come and clean it or help us and we were trying our best to like keep it there, and it was just a disgusting mess. But we tell the story because, uh, you know, you know, I've been thinking about it. There's meaning in every story. We tell ourselves story for a reason. Well, we got through it, right? We got through it, and we can laugh about it now. And even if we are all going through it at the same time, no matter how disgusting it is. We're going to love each other, mm-hmm. and we're going to care about each other, mm-hmm. and we're going to clean up each other's mess as long as we have some strength to do it. Mm-hmm. And so I've been thinking about it. Because when we tell this story to each other, or when other people are around, which we don't talk to many people, because most people don't like puke stories. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> uh, Thanks, yeah, you know, but I thought you guys might enjoy it. But, um, oh, but we tell ourselves this story just to reinforce these certain values and these certain bonds. <laughs> but there are other stories, other stories that that don't necessarily do those things. Sometimes they can undermine um, what we do. So I want to open it up. Who who has a story that they'd like to share? It can be anything. Yes. I have a story. I I was um, raised 
with my 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 real my real siblings in a in a foster home, and um, some the boys got were, were somewhere else, my real brothers, and um, raised in this home, and they would take us to these amusement parks, and one of the, and we're not closed today because of the serious breakdown in the house and stuff, the, the issues with one another. I'm the one that got to be saved. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I would—they're just—they're just very. They're, they're not the same people that I grew up with. They grew because I'm the one that got to be saved, so I was able to deal with my issues. When you meet the Lord, He's not pointing at anybody. He's dealing with things in you, so you mm-hmm. can transform more, more into the more into the likeness of Jesus. One of my stories is that they they alienate some. I'm one of the ones that they alienate. They don't invite over. It's like mm-hmm. I don't even exist. Yeah. And God had to really carry me through that process, and it was many years. It was lifetime, even yeah. even through my salvation. But I but I made it through. One of the stories I do have as a child is we we would go to the amusement parks. That was one of our. Uh, you know, when I go to the amusement park today, I think of my mm. my siblings because that was somewhere we we enjoyed. That was mm-hmm. when you have siblings, they're your first playmates, your yeah. first they're your first Everything. everything. They really are. They really are, yeah. especially if you're close in age. One of us had to go to the bathroom. I don't know who. I don't remember who it was. Oh, you were going to tell us one of these kind of stories? No, 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 no. It's the <laughs> it's not a sweet ending. All right, and my my my. White called mother at the time, who, who she had the pleasure of me calling her mother, um, said, Oh, well, while this one's going to the bathroom, you know, you can go on another ride. None of us could go on another ride until the other one came back. Oh, wow. When I tell this story, I don't care about it, yeah, it makes me cry. Right. And nobody told us, nobody told us, no adult told us, none of us could enjoy that ride until the other one. I love Returned. That. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yes. Like, yes. Just, I just, yeah. We couldn't do it. We just couldn't do it. Yeah. Wait. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So there's power in it. Thank there's you. beauty. Thank there's you. purpose. Just, it yeah. tears me up every time. That's good. Can we tell us these stories to reinforce values to, to hopefully even strengthen bonds or to give meaning to the things that we go through? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to find our way out. Sometimes yeah. there are stories that we tell ourselves over and over again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we don't tell anyone those stories. Yeah. Yes. It's so heartfelt. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we um, we need to find a way to move through those stories. None of our stories are finished. Yeah. Right. Not until we're six feet under. Yes. Yeah, and we okay. God is the author and finisher, but we are also the author. You know, we are writing our story as well. Anyone else have a story they want to share? Yeah. I remember um, living in Georgia one time, and I had a cousin who had a child. We had child children around the same age, but her child was on medication. Um, she was kind of dealing with some things um, psychologically, and um, so one day she went home and found her daughter. Her daughter had committed suicide, oh. and it had been a long time since I had seen her since the passing of her daughter. And one day I had a dream. I was like, Lord, I wish I could really see my cousin. You know, I really wish I could just 
you know, hug her and, um, you know, love on her a little bit. So one day I was at my apartment and this young girl, she comes and knocks on my door. And she's like, ma'am, can I use your cell phone? I was like, and I was like hesitant because I was like, I don't know you. And she tells me, you know, her boyfriend has left. She doesn't, she's trying to get back to Alabama. And it's just, you know, and I was like, okay. So I'm talking to the young girl and she comes back. But my best friend lives a couple apartments down. And I go to her and I say, hey, look, we need to get this young girl to the bus station. She's she's all alone. She doesn't have any family mm-hmm. here and so forth. So the young girl's packing all her stuff and, you know, we're trying to get, you know, get her some money so she can, you know, get back home and so forth. So we get downtown, literally downtown Atlanta to the bus station. And I'm walking and, I, you know, so this person that, you know, walks up to me and says, hey, I know you got some money because Jesus told me to tell you to give me some money. I was like, you don't know me either. And, I'm just, and that's what threw me off. And I, so when I rolled my eyes and I opened my eyes back up, my cousin who lost her child was sitting right there at that bus station. Literally sitting right there. It was there. actually her? Yeah. I didn't even know she was in Georgia. She was coming to visit a cousin that we hadn't seen in years. And she never, I mean, she didn't even call me. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I drop everything. Because I got yeah. the girl stuff, you know, I'm holding the girl. And I say, oh, my God. And my friend's like, what is God said? That's my cousin I've been wanting to see. Wow. Oh that yeah, that girl brought her to me. And I was like. And that man that came up to you and said, yeah, want me to get you. That's when your eyes woke up. Yeah, that's when my, I, I, like I, when I, you, you know how you roll your eyes. Yes. like, oh, my God. And I was just blinking and I was like. Oh my God, she's I'm literally I'm sitting. She's sitting in that bus station, and I walk up to her and I say, "When did you get here?" She said, "My bus just dropped me off." Wow. She said, "I was gonna call you the next day and let you know I was in Georgia." Wow. So did so, you give her a ride? She when well, she was waiting on a ride. Okay. She was waiting on my co- my other cousin okay. who I hadn't seen. Her. So we had this little family reunion. Excuse me. All right. All right. Thank you. Have a blessed day. So we had this little family reunion just that fast, wow. and she had just been on my mind so much. And I I I feel like that's what happens. You know, even though you don't bump heads or you don't grow up in the same house, you still have this love for you know certain yes. family members and so well all your family members. Um, and I believe that's what God does. He brings us together, you know, despite, you know, what has went on mm-hmm. in, the, in the midst of that. And I was just so... That's amazing. I was so... Ha- you should say I was jumping it, like I won the it, lottery. It, <laughs> it, 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 it reminds me... <laughs> my wife's been saying something lately. We've been having some breakthroughs in our, fa- in our family and our Amen. finances and a lot of things. And, and she says it all began on December 31st when we sat down and did some goal study. We did those, we workshop like the worksheets we got here. She said, it seems like when we did that, everything started opening up. Mm-hmm. I go, yeah? She said, yeah. She goes, you know, sometimes, she goes, I don't want to sound like new agey or anything, or I don't know how to say it. She goes, because she's remindful of that stuff. She says, um, sometimes when you speak things out in the universe, yeah. like maybe prayer or something, yeah. It comes back. Yeah, it has to land somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. and look how to. that happened. Yeah. It was on your heart. God oh, yeah. judges the heart, right? Yeah. God looks at the heart of mm-hmm. each of us. God says, I see your heart's pure and true. And yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna orchestrate this whole divine 
thing right, right. now. Because I work with children at that time who were struggling with the same thing her child was struggling. And yes. I would tell parents, I don't think it's wise that you put these kids on medication because the yeah. downfall. Mm-hmm. And then I had to go back so to the school and tell the story because a lot of the parents were contemplating whether they're going to put their kids on this medication. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really hard. Sometimes they don't need that. Yeah. Maybe it's they're too young. Their yeah. minds and their, their bodies can't handle it. What? So... Shame keeps us from telling a lot of stories that we need to tell. Mm-hmm. Amen. Because of saying that, I heard recently, I wrote it down on my little notepad. No, Jason, some stuff we just got to take to the grave. <laughs> <laughs> we got to, maybe, maybe some. There's, what's this saying? It says, uh, in 12 steps, right? This is where it comes from. There's a saying that you're as sick as your secrets. Yeah, exactly. I heard that the other day. Yeah. So you're as sick as your secrets. So when I was a kid, you know, like, we grew up in a blue-collar factory town, and everything would have been fine except my family, the Storbach in Maine. There's only one Storbach in family in Janesville, Wisconsin, (laughs) and they did not have a good reputation. They were all, you know, in a lot of foster care, a lot of group homes. All the boys went out to, uh, to a boys' home and stuff like that. Uh, my mom was 16 when she had me. Um, she was molested by her father and by other men that my grandma allowed into the house because of alcoholism. And um, my mom doesn't have a lot of filters sometimes, but I think that helped her in a, in a way because she liked to share out and process and tell these things until she got to, like now she's thriving. Like it's amazing where she is. But um, so growing up, my mom's 16, we're living in a trailer court, you know, and that's got all sorts of stigmas in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. You trailer trash or whatever, you know. Growing up in all that kind of stuff and um, go visit my friends for their school. They call it playdates now, but go hang out at my friend's house after school. They have, like, houses. And I remember my friend's dad had a Fiero. Remember Fiero? They weren't even that expensive. They looked expensive. They looked like it was like a Ferrari, but it was a Fiero. Does anyone remember the Fiero? No. no. They weren't expensive, but it looked expensive. It was a two-seater. It was like a kit car, kind of. And, um, again, I, I used to think, oh, I'm, I'm poor. You know, people, people would say that to me. They, you know, kids are horrible. And they'd say all these things to me. And um, I'd talk to my mom and all of that. And as I got older, I started kind of um, finding myself in my story. And now I look back, and I'm like, yeah, my mom was 16. My dad was 15. He wasn't there that much, but I, I still know him to today and talk to him regularly. And, um, yeah, my mom suffered a lot, and I saw her as a victim of domestic violence for the first five years of my life and beat up and broken bones and all that. But I saw her overcome. I saw her going to college, get an associate's degree. I saw a lot of struggle. We were homeless for a while. And I went through that. So I believe that I'll never judge anyone who is struggling like that or be that kind of person. Mm-hmm. I believe that God allowed it and, and I allowed myself to become more compassionate because of those experiences. I wouldn't have the perspective I have now had I not gone through that. And now, um, one thing that people often tell me is that I treat people the same, whether it's Kenny down on the Bowery who's got some real psychosis, or it's, you know, a billionaire hedge fund manager. And um, 
And I think it's because I've been able to tell my story. And then you become a Christian and you throw the redemptive pieces in it and it's your testimony. But um, we don't always get to the resurrection part of our story. But that's what we're called to, especially the, the, the shameful parts. It's really hard. Does any, I want to show a little video. Um, does anyone else want to share one story quick? or should Maybe I should just get into this, the video. Right? I don't think anybody's going to share in Jason. Yes. <laughs> You're still sleeping. Right. Yes. But thank you for the stories that were already shared. They're wonderful. Um, Let's see how this comes up. Does, does anyone in the... Uh, <laughs> the casual room here. Maybe is it not plugged in? Is it plugged in? Okay. Oh, that's not it. Does anyone know about this thing? That looks like it. The one that have right here. Yeah. No. That's the uh, HDMI. She is. Um, man, everything was so easy last time. Where's, where's all my stuff? Struggle is I think that it's not. I think I'm going to use this you one. You need the HDMI cord. Yeah. Storyteller. 
I'm a qualitative researcher. I collect stories. That's what I do. And maybe stories are just data with a soul, you know, and maybe I'm just a storyteller. So I said, you know what? Why don't you just say I'm a researcher storyteller? And she went, <laughs> there's no such thing. <laughs> so I'm a researcher storyteller. Um, and I'm going to talk to you today. We're talking about expanding perception. And so I want to talk to you and tell some stories about a piece of my research that fundamentally expanded my perception um, and really actually changed the way that I live and love and work and parent. Um, and this is where my story starts. When I was a young researcher, doctoral student, my first year I had a research professor who said to us, here's the thing, if you cannot measure it, it does not exist. And I thought he was just sweet talking to me. I was like, really? And he's like, absolutely. So you have to understand that I have a bachelor's in social work, a master's in social work, and I was doing my PhD in social work. So my entire academic career was surrounded by people who kind of believed in the life's messy, love it, you know, and I'm more of the life's messy, clean it up, organize it, and put it into a bento box. Um, and so to think that I had found my way, to found a career, that takes me, you know, really one of the big sayings in, in social work is lean into the discomfort of the work. And I'm like, you know, knock discomfort upside the head and move it over and get all A's. That's my, that was my mantra. So I was very excited about this. And so I thought, you know what, this is the career for me because I am interested in some messy topics, but I want to be able to make them not messy. I want to understand them. I want to hack into these things that I know are important and lay the code out for everyone to see. So where I started was with connection because by the time you're a social worker for 10 years, what you realize is that connection is why we're here. It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. This is, this is what it's all about. It doesn't matter whether you talk to people who work in social justice and mental health and abuse and neglect, what we know is that connection, the ability to feel connected, is neurobiologically, that's how we're wired, it's why we're here. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna start with connection. Well, you know that, that situation where you get an evaluation from your boss, and she tells you 37 things that you do really awesome, and one thing that you kind of give an opportunity for growth? <laughs> um, and all you can think about is that opportunity for growth, right? Well, apparently, this is the way my work went as well, because when you ask people about love, they tell you about heartbreak. When you ask people about belonging, they'll tell you the most excruciating experiences of being excluded. And when you ask people about connection, the stories they told me were about disconnection. So very quickly, really about six weeks into this research, I ran into this unnamed thing that absolutely unraveled connection in a way that I didn't understand or had never seen. And so I pulled back out of the research and thought, I need to figure out what this is. And it turned out to be shame. And shame is really easily understood as the fear of disconnection. Is there something about me that if other people know it or see it, that I won't be worthy of connection? The things I can tell you about it, it's universal. We all have it. The only people who don't experience shame have no capacity for human empathy or connection. No one wants to talk about it, and the less you talk about it, the more you have it. What underpinned 
this shame, this I'm not good enough, which we all know that feeling. I'm not blank enough. I'm not thin enough, rich enough, beautiful enough, smart enough, promoted enough. Um, the thing that underpinned us was excruciating vulnerability. This idea of in order for connection to happen, we have to allow ourselves to be seen, really seen. And you know how I feel about vulnerability. I hate vulnerability. And so I thought, this is my chance to beat it back with my measuring stick. I'm going in. I'm going to figure this stuff out. I'm going to spend a year. I'm going to totally deconstruct shame. I'm going to understand how vulnerability works. And I'm going to outsmart it. So I was ready. And I was really excited. As you know, it's not going to turn out well. Um, <laughs> you know this. So I could tell you a lot about shame, but I'd have to borrow everyone else's time. But here's what I can tell you that it boils down to. And this may be one of the most important things that I've ever learned in the decade of doing this research. My one year turned into six years. Thousands of stories, hundreds of long interviews, focus groups. At one point, people were sending me journal pages and sending me their stories. Um, thousands of pieces of data. Um, <coughs> And six years, and I kind of got a handle on it. I kind of understood this is what shame is, this is how it works. I wrote a book, I published a theory, but something was not okay. Um, and what it was is that if I roughly took the people I interviewed and divided them into people who really have a sense of worthiness, that's what this comes down to, a sense of worthiness. They have a strong sense of love and belonging and folks who struggle for it, and folks who are always wondering if they're good enough. There was only one variable that separated the people who have a strong sense of love and belonging and the people who really struggle for it, and that was the people who have a strong sense of love and belonging believe they're worthy of love and belonging. They believe they're worthy. And to me, the hard part of the one thing that keeps us out of connection is our fear that we're not worthy of connection was something that personally and professionally I felt like I needed to understand better. So what I did is I took all of the interviews where I saw worthiness, where I saw people living that way, and just looked at those. What do these people have in common? And I have, I have a slight office supply addiction, but it's another talk. Um, so I had a manila notebook, a manila folder, and I had a Sharpie, and I was like, what am I going to call this research? And the first words that came to my mind were wholehearted. These are kind of wholehearted people living from this deep sense of worthiness. So I wrote at the top of the manila folder, and I started looking at the data. In fact, I did it first in this very four, in a four-day, very intensive data analysis where I went back, pulled these interviews, pulled the stories, pulled the incidents. What's the, what's the theme? What's the pattern? My husband left town with the kids um, because I always go into this kind of Jackson Pollock crazy thing where I'm just like writing and, and going in kind of just in my researcher mode. And so here's what I found. What they had in common was a sense of courage. And I want to separate courage and bravery for you for a minute. Courage, the original definition of courage, when it first came into the English language, it's from the Latin word cur, meaning heart. And the original definition was to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart. 
And so these folks had, very simply, the courage to be imperfect. They had the compassion to be kind to themselves first and then to others, because as it turns out, we can't practice compassion with other people if we can't treat ourselves kindly. And the last was they had connection, and this was the hard part, as a result of authenticity. They were willing to let go of who they thought they should be in order to be who they were, which is you have to absolutely do that for connection. The other thing that they had in common was this. They fully embraced vulnerability. They believed that what made them vulnerable made them beautiful. <clears throat> they didn't talk about vulnerability being comfortable, nor did they really talk about it being excruciating, as I had heard it earlier in the shame interviewing. They just talked about it being necessary. They talked about the willingness to say I love you first. The willingness to do something where there are no guarantees. The willingness to breathe through waiting for the doctor to call after your mammogram. The willing to invest in a relationship that may or may not work out. They thought this was fundamental. I personally thought it was betrayal. Um, I could not believe I had pledged allegiance to research. Where our job, you know, the definition of research is to control, control and predict, to study phenomenon for the, reason, for the explicit reason to control and predict. And now my very, you know, my mission to control and predict had turned up the answer that the way to live is with vulnerability mm. and to stop controlling and predicting. This led to a little breakdown, <laughs> which actually looked more like this. Um, and it did. It led to a, I call it a breakdown, my therapist calls it a spiritual awakening. <laughs> spiritual awakening sounds better than breakdown, but I assure you it was a breakdown. And I had to put my data away and go find a therapist. Let me tell you something. You know who you are when you call your friends and say, I think I need to see somebody who, do you have any recommendations? Because about five of my friends are like, woo, I wouldn't want to be your therapist. Um, <laughs> And they're like, I'm just saying, you know, like, don't bring your measuring stick. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I found a therapist. My first meeting with her, Diana, I brought in my list of the way the wholehearted live. And I sat down, and she said, you know, how are you? And I said, I'm great, you know, I'm, I'm okay. And she said, what's going on? And I said, and this is a therapist who sees therapists because we have to go to those, because their BS meters are good. Um, and so I said, here's the thing, I'm struggling. And she said, what's the struggle? And I said, well, I have a vulnerability issue, and, you know, and I know that vulnerability is kind of the core of shame and fear and our struggle for worthiness, but it appears that it's also the birthplace of joy, of creativity, of belonging, of love, and I, I think I have a problem, and I just, I need some help, and I said, but here's the thing, no family stuff, 
no childhood shit. I just, <laughs> I just need some strategies. are important, that they kind of surrender and walk into it. A, that's not me. Mm. And B, I don't even hang out with people like that. Um, for me, it was a year-long street fight. It was a slugfest. Vulnerability pushed, I pushed back. I lost um, the fight, but probably won my life back. Okay. And so then I went back into the research and spent the next couple of years really trying to understand what they, the wholehearted, um, what the choices they were making, and, and what, what, is, what, what are we doing with vulnerability? Why do we struggle with it so much? Am I alone in struggling with vulnerability? No. So this is what I learned. We numb vulnerability. When we're waiting for the call, it was funny, I sent something out on Twitter and on Facebook that says, well, how would you define vulnerability? What makes you feel vulnerable? And within an hour and a half, I had 150 responses. Because um, I wanted to know, you know, what, what's out there? Having to ask my husband for help because I'm sick and we're newly married. Um, initiating sex with my husband. Initiating sex with my wife. Being turned down. Asking someone out. Waiting for the doctor to call back. Getting laid off. Laying off people. This is the world we live in. We live in a vulnerable world. Um, and one of the ways we deal with it is we numb vulnerability. And I think there's evidence, and it's not the only reason this evidence exists, but I think that there is a, a, a huge cause. We are the most in-depth, obese, addicted, and medicated adult cohort in US history. The problem is, and I learned this from the research, that you cannot selectively numb emotion. You can't say, here's the bad stuff. Here's vulnerability, here's grief, here's shame, here's fear, here's disappointment. I don't want to feel these. I'm going to have a couple of beers and a banana nut muffin. <laughs> I don't want to feel these. And I know that's, no, I know that's knowing laughter. I, I hack into your lies for a living. I know that's, <laughs> God. Um, <laughs> You can't numb those hard feelings without numbing the other affects or emotions. You cannot selectively numb. So when we numb those, we numb joy. We numb gratitude. We numb happiness. And then we are miserable and we are looking for purpose and meaning. And then we feel vulnerable. So then we have a couple of beers and a banana nut muffin. And it becomes this dangerous cycle. Um, one of the things that I think that we need to think about is why and how we numb. And it doesn't just have to be addiction. The other thing we do is we make everything that's uncertain, certain. Religion, 
has gone from a belief in faith and mystery to certainty. I'm right, you're wrong, shut up. Hmm. That's it. Just certain. The more afraid we are, the more vulnerable we are, the more afraid we are. This is what politics looks like today. There's no discourse anymore. There's no conversation. And this was you know put on way before what's going on right now. A way to discharge pain and discomfort. We perfect. If there's anyone who wants their life to look like this, it would be me. But it doesn't work. Because what we do is we take fat from our butts and put it in our cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> Which yes, I hope in a hundred years people will look back and go, wow. <laughs> uh, and we perfect most dangerously our children. Let me tell you what we think about children. They're hardwired for struggle when they get here. When you hold those perfect little babies in your hand, our job is not to say, look at her, she's perfect. My job is just to keep her perfect, make sure she makes a tennis team by fifth grade and Yale by seventh grade. That's not our job. Our job is to look and say, you know what? You're imperfect and you're wired for struggle, but you are worthy of love and belonging. That's our job. Show me a generation of kids raised like that and we'll end the problems I think that we see today. We pretend that what we do doesn't have an effect on people. We do that in our personal lives. We do that corporate, whether it's a bailout, an oil spill, a recall. We pretend like what we're doing doesn't have a huge impact on other people. I would say to companies, this is not our first rodeo, people. We just need you to be authentic and real and say, we're sorry. We'll fix it. But there's another way, and I'll leave you with this. This is what I have found. To let ourselves be seen. Deeply seen. Vulnerably seen. To love with our whole hearts, even though there's no guarantee. And that's really hard. I can tell you as a parent, that's excruciatingly difficult. To practice gratitude and joy in those moments of kind of terror when we're wondering, can I love you this much? Can I believe in this as passionately? Can I be this fierce about this? Just to be able to stop and instead of catastrophizing what might happen to say, I'm just so grateful. Because to feel this vulnerable means I'm alive. And the last, which I think is probably the most important, is to believe that we're enough. Because when we work from a place, I believe, that says, I'm enough, then we stop screaming and start listening. We're kinder and gentler to the people around us and we're kinder and gentler to ourselves. That's all I have. That was good. That was really good. Brene Brown. She wrote a few books, all amazing. She's got a lot of podcasts where she's out there talking with people. But, you know, this is a goal setting class, right? I'm going to wrap it up. But we tell stories, but we're telling our story, right? What's the, to- the story we're telling ourselves about where we're going to go and who we're becoming? And I think if we're going to tell effective, powerful, productive story of us entering into that promise, then we have to be able to be honest and transparent and vulnerable so that we can have the courage, like Brene Brown talks about, to enter into it wholeheartedly.
to live the story that God has designed for, for each of us. So have a blessed and beautiful and purpose-driven day, everyone, and thank you for joining this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I hated that. Thank you. Oh, it can't. Huh? What? You know like how some of them you could hook up to the TV? Oh, not this guy. Because my tablet is an Acer, and the one I was talking about is only $120. Oh. You can hook it up to the TV, like what you just But, you know, like I was saying before, just being that beacon of light, you know, because you never know who's paying attention, who's watching, who may need that motivation. You know, because when I seen your page, I was like, wait a minute. Wait, hold on. Wait a minute. Let me put some churches in it because I was like, oh. I know this is not Chris. I went to school with and hung out with. I know this yeah. is not. But we... I was just so thrilled to see that. And I know um, it's another young lady we, we knew, uh, Janae, I want to say Janae Stevens. Stevens. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I seen her. I was like, wait a minute. This, what, I know that's right. You know, I'm always rooting for everybody black. So I was like, this is what's up. This is what's up. And just, yeah. to, just to pour yourself out of, way out of your comfort zone, you know, so we'll get started with this podcast, but then we'll go in, we'll 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 we'll, we'll fluctuate into that. We'll add some more things into it. So we'll kind of keep it free flowing because you know, like I said, we haven't, like you said, we haven't talked in years, so we got a lot of catching up to do. Okay. So I'll do the introduction and then I'll bring you in. So hold on one minute, let me pull my questions up because the computer not working. <laughs> What's up, everybody? This is your girl Virtual Diva and Company, and it has been a marvelous. When I say a marvelous. Wednesday, I can say this. I can say, you know, the devil thought he was gonna win today, but I had to let him know he 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 wasn't he wasn't gonna take my joy. But I have more joy for you guys because I have a wonderful guest on the show, a childhood friend of mine, someone I've known for many years, and I'm just so ecstatic to have him on the show tonight. And it has just been an honor for him to to be a a huge amount of light not just in the community where we come from but in the community where he is so no 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 further ado so we have tonight mr chris williams on the show and we're going to talk about we're going to get into some wellness this is going to be for a wellness wednesday um segment so you guys pay attention listen and we'll flow with it what's up mr williams Hey, what's going on with it? Not much, not much. I am so happy to have you on the show today. I am just so excited to see you in your line of work and you just being a, a black man, you know, just a, a raging force in in this day and world, you know, and just being out there and just saying, you know what, anything is possible, just anything is possible, anything is possible. So I want to go into this because this is our Wellness Wednesday, and I know that you are in. We, we want to get into what is what is it that you do. So can you tell the audience who you are and what you do? Uh, again, my name is uh, Chris Williams. I am an IFBB Pro bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. Um, I also do a lot of you know modeling, uh, whether it be on different online publications. Um, I do a lot of nutrition planning. Um, I also do uh, 
fitness examinations and uh, pretty much work out fitness programs for individuals that either want to gain muscle, lose weight. Um, so pretty much that's what I do. Okay, okay. Now I want to ask this question because I don't, I don't think I have a muscle in my body right now. Like <laughs> all the walking, all the walking I do in New York, you would think I would build up some type of muscle somewhere. And it's, it, it, and it's not that I'm not motivated; it's just that I've been really lazy. So that's on me. But I want to ask this question: What's the most important aspect of training? I think that for anybody that wants not to to build just muscle, but to just get in shape. What do you think is the most uh, important aspect of training? I think the most important aspect of training is just movement in itself. Mm. A lot of people become stagnant because of their jobs or they become complacent because they're sedentary all mm. day. So when by the time they get home, they keep that same habit because it's we're creatures of habit. You know, humans are creatures mm-hmm. of habit, so we do the same thing over and over again. Mm-hmm. So if it were me, I would look at the most important aspect of training is, you know, be motivated every day to want to do something, some kind of movement, you know, even if it's in a park or if if you're going to a, a, a fitness facility, just to be motivated to get moving. Mm-hmm. And I think if you look at it from that direction, you don't have to necessarily focus on, oh, what body part do I train today? Or, mm-hmm. you know, how do I do this? type of exercise because the fact that you're even there is a win in itself. Hey, well, hello. You know, so that's that's just that's just confident in, in, in itself because a lot of people just look at themselves, but they look at everybody else and they're trying to figure out how how do I get there? How do I how do I get to that point? You know, and like you said, it's just movement, just being motivated right. to move. You know, right. I tell you right now, I got lazy bone. I got some lazy bone, <laughs> but I'm coming out of this. I'm coming out of it. I know I am. So another thing I want to ask as well, too, is how important is nutrients? Because, you know, people go on these yo-yo diets or they they got the keto diet. They got this. They got that. There's so many things out there. But how important is nutrients in, you know, in, in this aspect? Um, if you looked at a chart and you had to rate everything and you said out of 100% how important is nutrition, nutrition would be 70 to 80% mm-hmm. and working out or doing your cardiovascular activity would be 20 to 30%. The reason being is because we eat more than we work out. So what you put in your mouth matters a lot more than what you're doing as far as being in the gym. Okay. Calories in doesn't always equals calories out. Mm. So nutrition is very, very important, especially if you're keeping a well-balanced diet. Um, That's the main thing that you want to do because just from eating certain types of foods and actually just drinking, you know, you know, 64 ounces of water a day can help you lose weight by itself. Okay. So nutrition is very, very important. What do you do as far as nutrition? How do you go about your day? Um, As far as what I do for nutrition, I look at everything and I divide it up into three groups. I divide it up into proteins, carbs, and fats. And when I say that, most people say, carbs, you're talking about starches? And I'm like, nah. (laughs) I I guess, you know, with black people, we always think, you know, a carbohydrate could be like bread, you know, rice, potatoes. And it it is. It it is that. But 
the 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 thinking of it, the general thinking of it is that, is that you want to get in simple carbs, you know, not so much complex carbs. So you want to get in stuff like, you know, brown rice. You can do white mm-hmm. rice. You can do oats. You can do red potato, white potato. You can do sweet potato. But again, it's not using butter. The things that are actually going to add bad saturated fat to it, you want to just keep it clean. Okay. Okay. Now with fats. You want to look at fats as as far as like whole eggs, avocado, almonds, almond butter, macadamia nuts, macadamia oil, um, olive oil. Those are things that are healthy omega-3s. And healthy omega-3s are positive fats. And what they do is they dissolve bad fats that are in our bodies. Okay. Proteins, as far as, again, egg whites whole eggs, chicken, fish, beef, those are different forms of protein, and they all have their own different digestion rates, so not everything that you put in your body is actually consumed the same way. So what you eat and when you eat it is very, very important. Right. Wow. And, you know, I, I, I because, you know, I'm a southern girl. I like my biscuits. And, you know, like like my butter and my honey, right. and, you know, so forth. And and I guess the main thing is pushing away from that, you know, things that we, you know, we, we like to indulge in, you know, because I know me, I've been a person who emotionally eats. And that's one thing I'm pushing myself away from because I know if I'm having some type of day, I'm like, okay, I need some ice cream. Or if I'm having right. some type of day, I need my gummy bears, you know. And right. you don't realize how, you know, long term how that's going to affect your body when you're, you're not as motivated to to put yourself in the right aspect of you know working out or even right. you know having your body in motion. I I fell at that, Chris. Don't don't judge me. <laughs> no, no, never that. But the one thing I want to do is I always want to let people know that we're creatures of what you know. Again, habit. So we normally eat the way our parents ate mm-hmm. and how their parents ate. So if you go to someone's food closet. It wouldn't be nothing, you know, back home to see pork yeah. and beans, yeah. you know, cans of corn, green beans, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Even stuff that my grandmother still eats. I'm like, do you go to the store and get fresh veggies? She's like, no, I get the canned stuff. And I'm like, why? It's packed with preservatives. But she doesn't mm-hmm. think that way. So if they're not educated, they're thinking, oh, I'm still getting my vegetables in. I'm getting my right. food groups in. But they're not mm-hmm. things that are actually helping your body. They're actually hurting your body. So... The biggest thing is us knowing that there's ways to get educated. There's ways to understand, you know, what foods are actually good for us, what are going to help us, um, and definitely what's going to help us as we get older so that we can maintain, you know, having healthy physiques and looking and feeling a certain way more importantly. So we want to cut out the foods that are going to have us have hypertension, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and there are things that actually can help us, but we just got to get educated on it and not be afraid, again, kind of like how you said earlier, to step out on faith and say, you know what, this food may not taste the way I want it to taste, but I know what it's going to do for me. And if I add a little bit of good, take out a little bit of bad, maybe I can go a little bit further. Wow, 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 wow. That, you know what, you're stepping on my toes, Chris, you know, but it's motivating <laughs> It is. It's giving me some light at the end of this tunnel. I know. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to get it together because I bought a dress and I bought the dress too small 
just so I can get in it. That's just my motivation right there. motivation, yeah. That's that's my motivation right there. And that's for women. You know, we struggle in certain areas, but I think we we struggle in certain areas, like you said, men and women, even in the black neighborhoods, you know, we we go about doing things the way our parents did, you know. And, you know, and sometimes it's hard to get them to change or to see something different because they're used to that taste and they're used to the price of it and you know so forth and that can be hazardous as well too you know just thinking well i can afford this but if you try this you know it could be you know not so costly as well too you know i had i you know i i, I could see i see that all the time i'm here i'm here down in the dirty south and i could just go in my dad's cabin and i see everything you know and i'm like right. dad we don't need that um right. that's what i'm eating today you're not gonna tell me what i'm gonna right. do and i'm like Okay, Dad. Never mind. I'm not gonna argue with you. You know. Right. Um, and, and I think that I think when it comes to that, it's almost like we're trying to retrain, you know, mm-hmm. our parents or our grandparents to eat differently than what they've done for 50, 60 years, and that's kind of hard mm-hmm. to reprogram somebody that's already been programmed to move a certain way, eat a certain way. Honey, let me take that blue bell away from my dad and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna be a whole fight. I'm gonna be like, he's like, you touch that blue bell if you want to. I'm like, I'm sorry, Dad, I won't touch it. I won't touch right. it. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> um, moving forward, why bodybuilding? How did you get? How did you become? How did that become a lifestyle? You know what? I was in Los Angeles, and right when I graduated from grad school, I left. I left UNLV and went to went to LA. Got a job downtown, working for an arbitration firm. Mm. The absolute worst job in the world, people. You make a lot of money, but it's not fun working with a group of lawyers that feel like they can disrespect you at any time. Well, well. <laughs> so, you know, I worked downtown. I lived in Culver City, right next to Venice Beach. And every day when I got off work, I went to the beach and I saw people working out. And I kind of was like, you know, this is a lot different. Everybody's working out. You go to restaurants. Everybody's eating healthier foods in California especially Southern California, and I started touching a little bit of weight. Um, And before I knew it, I had gained almost 40 pounds of clean body weight in one year. Oh, wow. And somebody came up to me, and they were like, hey, you got incredible genetics. You think that you need to want to try bodybuilding? And, of course, I was not interested. Um, But the more I did it, the more I saw my physique changing, the more motivated I got to feel like maybe I could go a little bit further and present a package that I thought would be necessary enough to get on stage and show it. Mm, well, I ain't mad at you. I'm going to say that right <laughs> now. I'm not going to, I ain't mad at you at all. I, 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 I want to know because you, you see black men in, in so many areas and, and and when it comes to sports and bodybuilding and things like that, are there a lot of black men in this in in this particular area? That there are there are a lot of black men that are in the bodybuilding industry, and they have different levels of bodybuilding. You know, and okay. I think most of us, you know, we try to go for the gusto by doing what I do as far as full on bodybuilding. But there's men's physique, there's men's classic physique, um, and what they do is that allows you know us to show what we have as far as genetics and you know a lot of a lot of brothers and a lot of sisters are doing it too just because we have the most incredible genetics that God has ever given a human being right 
So with that being said, we can take what most other nationalities can do and we can expand on it a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And it's just a gift. It's a gift that God gave that we have to, you know, that we capitalize on. Mm, that's good. That's good. Y'all heard that? Did y'all, I know y'all heard that. Okay. So what are your future endeavors? You, you, where do you see yourself? Um, Right now, uh, especially due to COVID times, <laughs> most of my and stuff has been online. As far as, we are. We definitely are. But it's just, you know, doing a lot of online publications um, right. as far as, like, me getting back on stage. I had planned on doing it this year. Uh, then March came and everything got shut down. And the IFBB Pro League and the NPC Worldwide is still going, but I decided this year to take the year off and not mm-hmm. participate um, in any type of, you know, bodybuilding competitions. But next year I will be back on stage. Okay. We'll be going uh, to try to see what I can do uh, with that, as, as as well as increase on my business endeavors as far as, like, you know, having another facility that, that I have underneath me with health okay. and nutrition and just expanding on that. Okay, okay. Well, I want to let you. What I'm gonna tell you what I see. I see you doing videos as well too. I I don't know why okay. I see that, but I definitely see videos and you networking with a lot of people as well too. Because people are so keen to their phones and they're keen to their their YouTube's and they're keen to you know so many things. And I could see that for you having your own platform in that area. I got chills. I got chills. I got chills. <laughs> I can see that. Um, so I want to ask this question and I always ask my, uh, you know, my, the people that I'm interviewing, I'm all tongue tied tonight, um, who I'm interviewing, like what truly motivates and inspires you? Is there anyone that you, you look up to or is any, you know, is it music or anything that kind of keeps you going? Um, what motivates me is, um, as you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a young little black kid from Denton, Texas, <laughs> um, and I would have never thought in a million years I'd be where I am right now. And the fact that God has given me the platform and the ability and the know-how to do what I'm doing that motivates me every day. I love the fact that I make my grandmother proud. I love the fact that I make my hometown proud, and it gives me the inspiration to say, you know what, just keep moving, just keep going, just keep making it happen. Um, one person that inspired me, and it's funny because you don't know exactly who this is. Oh, is, I do. Uh, you do. He 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 was <laughs> he was he was my role model growing up, and um, to this day, I still like being around him when I get a chance to see him. And he makes me feel good just being around him. And that's my cousin. Um, his name is Edward Williams. We all know him as Junebug. Hey. <laughs> and he 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 was literally everything for me growing up. I wanted to be everything that he was. I wanted to have the popularity that he had. I wanted to be as smart as he was. And he was like my go-to. He was he was everything that I wanted to be in an individual. And when I, I to this day I make sure and let him know that you know he was my role model and that he was everything that I wanted to be. Aww. Oh, oh, you! I brought a little tear to my eye. This is so sweet. I just I like <laughs> the motive and you know like that don't have a problem speaking that. 
you know, and, and saying that to another man, you know, uh, that's, that's that's so courageous because you know sometimes men are afraid to say those things but we won't we won't go there we'll say that for man talk you know when we get down to man talk because that's you know it's a different subject well i am so thankful um that we got a chance to share this time and we're definitely going to do more talk and so forth you know going forward and let people know where they can find you you know if they you know want to look you up okay um, on Instagram, those that are interested can find me at, um, at Williams mm-hmm. Laban, L-A-B-A-N. And for those that want to know, that's my real first name. It's Laban <laughs> Christopher Williams. Um, on Facebook, it's just Laban Williams. Um, from there, I do also have, um, something streaming right now with Precision Fitness Online. So okay. all you have to do is type in Precision Decision Fitness, mm-hmm. and any kind of streaming uh, audio or visual uh, podcast will actually come up with me on them. But those okay. are the platforms that I'm on. Okay. Hey, well, y'all heard it from Mr. Williams himself, and he has given you a little bit of Wellness Wednesday. So you go, you guys go out and follow him, look up this podcast, and you look up I Am Virtuous Diva, and we'll be showing this very soon. So we really appreciate you, Mr. Williams, for having you on. Thank you so much. May God continue to bless all your endeavors and everything that you put your hands to going forward. And even in the next year, may it, may it over-exceed anything you've ever done. So thank you so much for joining the show. You guys have thank a great you night. Thank for having me. All right. And who in their right mind, you know, I am in this group. I have many times, not in my right mind, went and picked a bra because it was cheap. Just because it was cheap, honey. And I've picked that bra and I said, you know what, I'm going to get this bra. This is what it's going to do because it was cheap. I didn't want to invest. I didn't want to take the time to invest in something that I needed. And so I started I started to be very frustrated. Then I started to take pictures of myself noticing the how um shapely I was without the proper undergarment. And I said bra, panties, um, you know, that could be a numerous of things you you know women can wear under their clothing and so forth. But anyway, so let me tell y'all, I was looking a hot mess. Not having the right bra on can cause some very much 